Okay, guys, it's good to see your face today. Uh, it is the Lord's Day. It's always a good day when it's celebrating the Lord's Day and His um, death, burial, and resurrection and finding our, our rest in Him. And so we do, uh, you know, on this, I think, what is it, 504-year anniversary now of the period that Dylan was just reading to us? So it's been 504 years since... Since they consider that day the day of the start of the Reformation, really it started before then, but, but it's good to remember these things. It's good to uh, remember these things, these, um, these men that we call the Reformers, but you know, one thing we do need to remember is that they were men, that they were only men, and that, that we're here to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is, we do need to be thankful for these men for really recovering the Gospel. Many senses, um, you know. Also, I think of men like John Wycliffe and Jan Hus from about a century before. These guys were considered some of the pre-reformers. The John Wycliffe, his his name is his title is he's been given the the Morning Star of the Reformation. And then and then Jan Hus, who was burned at the stake about a hundred years before Luther, for really his 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 cry was the fact that Christ was head of the church. Which um, really, that's the spearhead of the Reformation, is that Christ was the head of the church and not the Pope, and out from that came the the five solas. So there's there's many more men that aren't even mentioned in church history that that we need to be thankful for, and obviously during the the period of Luther and then Calvin and and others, and then really over the next couple centuries. So. These are, these are men to be thankful for, but we always need to keep it in perspective that they are men. They had their flaws just like you and I. So we don't ever want to put them up on a pedestal. But the fact is, is that during that period of time, in many ways, the gospel had been restored. These, these truths that, that, we, that we speak about and we, we sing about, they had been, you know, not founded, but in many ways restored. They had been hidden in darkness and, and apostasy the Roman Catholic Church. And so the text we're going to be looking at today, guys, if you want to turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1, uh, we're going to see that the Apostle Paul was dealing with many of the same issues that, that Luther was dealing with and other men in, 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 um, in this letter to the Galatians. Paul, in his missionary journeys that you can read about in Acts, he helped he helped bring the gospel to these different cities in, Galatia, in the Galatian regions. And so he helped plant these churches. And so what we're going to be looking at today really is, you'll see, again, it's some of the exact same issues that the Reformers were dealing with and that we still deal with. We're going to re really be looking at the heart of the gospel. The title of the message is entitled, Only One Gospel. I see we have a uh, police officer in our midst. Good to see Hunter here. Um, but yeah, there's only one gospel, guys. There's not many. There's one gospel. That's the title of the message. And so, so Galatians was written because of false teachers known, known as the Judaizers. Uh, they did many things, but two main things they were trying to do, they were trying to discredit Paul and his apostleship, his authority as an apostle, and they were teaching a salvation by works. When you boil it down to that, that's what it was. Uh, one, one thing to remember about these guys we'll talk about as we go is they preached salvation through Christ. Salvation through faith in Christ, but not Christ alone. They wanted to add works. In this case, uh, the mosaic, the ceremonial part of the law of circumcision, in order for a Gentile to truly be saved, they needed to be circumcised, not just trust in Christ. So that's really the heart of the letter. Uh, and so again, the heart of this letter in Galatians is, is, is a defense of the gospel. Okay, It's a defense of the gospel, much like the Reformation. And so if you guys want to stand, if you wouldn't mind standing one more time, we're just going to read four short verses. We're going to look at Galatians 1. Chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, and then uh, in a few moments we'll also look at verse 16 in chapter 2. But I'm going to read Galatians 1, 6 through 9. Paul says this I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ 
for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you receive, he is to be accursed. You guys can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we come, we come before you in your presence today. And Lord, we just, we thank you, Lord, for the gospel. <clears throat> we thank you for the, the clear truth of the gospel. The clear truth in your word that there is only one. And that gospel is the power of God unto salvation, Father. So I, I just pray that your church and your people today would be encouraged. They'd be refreshed through, the, through the, the truth and the freedom that is found in the gospel. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at this text today, guys. We're not going to look at it necessarily as maybe as, as, in, as deeply as we would if we were going through the book. We're going to look at just a few key points today out of this text and really tie it to, to what it is that we're, uh, what we're remembering this time of year, the Reformation. So the first, the first point that I have in this text, the first heading, there are four, is by way of a question, a different gospel. Put a question mark behind it. A different gospel question mark in verse 6. Verse 6 again, it says, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Um, you know, even in, the, even in the wording there where he says, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Christ. We see the, we see the truth of the gospel just right there in that phrase. The, the one who called. That, that they're forgetting the one who called. That, that God is the one who called us by His grace. Uh, by the grace of Christ. So we can see we can see the truth of the gospel right there when he even begins. I'm, I'm so amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you. That's the one who called us out of darkness. We didn't get called out of darkness through something we did, but it was through Christ who called you. So that's where Paul starts off with. And then he says that the one who called you by the grace of Christ, which obviously that's the very heart, right? That we're saved by grace alone. That's one of the five solas. And he says, to a different gospel. So the first point is a, a different gospel question mark. In other words, is there really a different go- is there is there really a different gospel, another gospel? Let's let's talk about that. These false teachers, the Judaizers again, they, they preach salvation through Christ. Okay? They believed a lot of the fundamental truths that that we believe that's required to believe. That, you, that, that Christ came, that He was who He said He was, that He rose again, but they did not believe that we're saved by faith alone. Okay? And, and the word Judaizers, guys, you're not going to find that word in the Bible. Um, but, but, but the word Judaize, it just simply means to conform to the religious doctrines and rites of the Jews. Okay, that's what the word Judaize means. So these men were given the, the name Judaizers because that's what they were doing. They were trying to conform these, these Gentile believers who had put their faith in Christ to the religious doctrines of the Jews. Okay, in this case, circumcision. And so let's talk about, diff, you know, in, in this case, Paul calls it a different gospel. In other words, it wasn't the gospel that he was called to preach that we're going to look at throughout this message. But we have many different gospels in our day, do we not? And, um, you know, we could, if I was to go around the room, we could think of many. Some of them have names and some of them just have, maybe not necessarily names, but just different gospels that you've heard that, that, that men and women are out there proclaiming that are not the gospel of Jesus Christ. One that we're very familiar with, the prosperity gospel. This is an example of a false gospel that if you trust in Jesus, that He's going to make you healthy and wealthy. Right? And you can hear some truth, some elements of truth when you hear a prosperity gospel pre- preach, but or a prosperity gospel preacher 
preach, but the, that is a false gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about making us healthy and wealthy. Here's one, and it, and it has the title, The Gospel of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That sounds really good, does it not? I mean, think about it. The Gospel of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. What's wrong with that? I mean, we're living in the latter days, right? From the time Christ rose and ascended into heaven till He comes back. This is the last days. And the Bible says we're saints of God, so what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with it is when you open it up and look inside it, it's not the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's another Gospel. The feel-good Gospel. That's not necessarily an official title, but you know the message that says God has a wonderful plan for your life. I want you to feel good about yourself. You could go on and on and on. And, and again, all of these, these, these other Gospels, they have some truth, but are not the Gospel. That's the point. These are not the Gospel of Jesus Christ. These that I mentioned, uh, the one we're going to look at here in Galatians, and other false Gospels that you hear, and men that stand up and preach them, they'll, they'll talk about the Gospel, they'll use the word Gospel, but many times without ever even confronting sin. Now, if we know one thing about the Gospel, it ain't going to make a lick of sense if you don't confront sin. Right? The Gospel is about redeeming us from our sin. So we have to... Part of the Gospel is confronting sin. The reality of sin. But you'll hear many Gospels that they just want to get right to the point that Jesus can forgive you, save you, you'll be happy, you'll have joy without ever hearing anything about sin. Much like I told you guys last week about my testimony. Um, and so, many of these Gospels would be called the Gospel of Easy Believism. Um, so really a Gospel without confronting sin, a Gospel without repentance. Now I do want to say something about repentance. Because today, as, as we're really looking at the heart of the Gospel as we go through some different texts, you're not going to hear me mention much about repentance, but just understand this, in case there's anybody out there wondering, because we're going to be looking at faith, at grace and faith alone today, but anytime uh, the, the Bible communicates these things in different ways. Sometimes the writers will use the word believe. Sometimes they'll say repent. Sometimes they'll say repent and believe. But just remember, repentance and faith always go together biblically. That any faith, a saving faith, is always a repentant faith. Okay? That's why Paul said we preach repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We are emphasizing faith alone today. But always remember that repentance and faith are joined. They're, they're the same, or they're two sides of the same coin. They're joined at the hip, biblically speaking. And so Rome, the Roman Catholic Church, like these Judaizers in, in Galatians 1, they taught that we were justified by Christ. by Christ. If you talk to a Roman Catholic, many times you'll hear them say, oh yeah, we're saved by faith. They'll, they'll use this language, but it's not faith alone, okay? That was the heart, as we'll see, as we'll talk about, that's the heart of the Gospel. That's the heart of what Paul was emphasizing and what... These men were emphasizing it at the time of the Reformation that we it's not just faith in Christ, but it's faith alone in Christ alone. Obviously by grace alone. The five solas that we'll talk about that are on the front of your, of your bulletin today. Others will say in some of these false Gospels, they'll say they may get the justification correct but they'll say salvation is through Jesus, but He's not the only way. So that's why part of the soul is this Christ alone. It's grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. And so you'll have some that say, yeah, you're saved by Jesus, but He's just a way. He's not necessarily the way. That's not the Gospel. I mean, we'd have to ask ourselves, which Jesus are you talking about? Is it the God-man? God who became incarnate. If it's the wrong Jesus, then you got the wrong Gospel. So, 
Is it really a different gospel? We're going to see in our next point that there's only one. There's only one gospel. Okay, It's not like there's many. It's not like Paul says, we have this gospel, but then there's these others. There's really not another. And again, that's the title of the message. What we're going to emphasize today, that there's only one. There's only one gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's point number two. There's only one. All of these false gospels, guys, are from man. They're man-made. You can see that in verse 11 in, in, in Galatians. Look at what Paul says. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Okay? It's not according to man. But Paul received it directly from Christ in verse 12. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And every man-made gospel... They're going to err either with the person of Christ or the work of Christ. Usually both. How we're justified. Um, but we'll talk about that more as we go through. There has, there's only one Gospel and there, and there has always been only one Gospel. I, th I think I said that right. There has always been one Gospel. There's never been different Gospels and there never will be. It's the same gospel, guys, that was preached in the Garden of Eden. That was prophesied that, that, that salvation was through the promised seed who would crush the serpent's head. It's the same gospel. It's the same gospel that Noah preached. That he preached, he was a preacher of righteousness, that man would trust in God's provision. The ark, that they would find refuge in the ark, that was a picture of Christ. That the only way they would be saved was to trust in God's provision. The same gospel that was preached to Abraham. In your seed, all the nations shall be blessed. It says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It was imputed to him. Something we'll talk about a little later. It was the same gospel pictured in the, the entire Old Testament sacrificial system. That salvation comes through the death of another. That without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. The same gospel that David speaks of in Romans chapter 4. In Romans chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, it says this. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man who God credits righteousness apart from works. And then he quotes David. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Credits righteousness apart from works. That same gospel. The same gospel that Isaiah proclaimed in Isaiah 53, 5. But He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being our well fell upon Him. And by His scourging we are healed. Or Jeremiah in chapter 23. It says, this is the name by which He will be called the Lord our Righteousness. Guys, the only righteousness we have is in Christ. The Lord is our righteousness. That's the righteousness that the Gospel offers is the righteousness of our Lord. The Lord, our righteousness. It's the same Gospel that John the Baptist preached when he cried out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yes, the Gospel of Jesus Christ is the same Gospel that Jesus Himself preached. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. It's the same Gospel that Peter preached in Acts chapter 10. He says, Of Him all the prophets bear witness that through His name everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins. It's consistent. You hear the, It's the same. 
It's the same message. The Apostle John in John chapter 20, verse 31. But these things, these signs have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. The Apostle James in James chapter 1. In the exercise of His will, of God's will, He brought us forth by the word of truth. He brought us forth. He gave us life. He caused us to be born again by the word of truth. We see Sola Scriptura right there. Same thing Peter said in the letter that we were going through. That, that He caused us to be born again by, the, by His word. James is the one who gets accused of preaching salvation by works. And we can see James clearly, clearly teaches that by His grace, through His power, through His Word, He he gives us spiritual life. And then lastly, Paul, the very one we're looking at in Galatians and Acts chapter 13, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through Him... Guys, do you see the consistency here? It's never through what you do. Or what you can add to it. Through Him, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through Him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Paul cannot be any more clear in that text. Guys, there's one Gospel. There's only one Gospel. It's the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the Gospel that sets men free from the penalty of sin. It's the Gospel that rescues us from this present evil age. It's the Gospel who rescues men out of the jaws of death, out of the slavery and the power and the dominion of sin. It's this Gospel. It's this Gospel and this Gospel alone. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. It may be called different titles, as we'll see, at different times in different circumstances. For example, you'll see it called the Gospel of the Kingdom. You'll see it called the Gospel of the Grace of God. You'll see it called the Gospel of God. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. The Gospel of our salvation. The Gospel of peace. The everlasting Gospel. Paul even calls it And I believe it's 2 Timothy, my gospel. But beloved, it's the same gospel. There's only one gospel. There's only one gospel. The good news of Christ. That He can deliver us from the domain of darkness and transfer us to the kingdom of His beloved Son through His power. No matter who you are in here today, no matter whether you've been walking with Christ for years, it's good news to be reminded that we are delivered from sin through Christ. Nothing we do, nothing we can ever do will make God keep us. He keeps us by His grace. He keeps us by His power. But it's this Gospel that Jesus Christ came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. And I lived, I lived long enough in my life To see the works of the devil that would have destroyed my life if Christ had not had mercy upon me. And so it's that gospel that we put our faith in, we put our hope in, that Jesus Christ in Him alone, His death, His burial, His resurrection can rescue you today if you do not know Him. And so there are no other gospels but there are only, as Paul says, distortions of it. Or your, your version may say perversions of it. But there's only one, okay? Don't let anybody ever let you, tell you that there's more than one gospel or that the gospel we preach, as we're going to see, that you need to add anything to it. That was the heart of what Paul was dealing with and that's the heart of what so many men were dealing with during that time of the Reformation, before that time and since that time have died at the hands of many times the Roman Catholic Church, but others as well, for standing on that. This is the ground, guys, we stand on. And you don't ever budge. You don't ever budge. 
apart from the gospel. We can disagree on many things, but what we're talking about today, there is no disagreement wrong. If, if, if so, you're going to fall into that camp that Paul's warning if we add to it. Okay? So thirdly, let's look at the heart of the gospel. Uh, you may need to flip over a page. Flip it over to chapter 2, verse 16. We're going to look at the heart of the gospel, and then lastly, we'll, at the end, we'll turn back to Galatians 1 and look at verses 8 and 9. In verse 16, this, this is part of Paul's confronting Peter. If you guys remember for his hypocrisy in dealing with, with his Gentile brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, but our, our focus this morning or this afternoon is going to be just on this. In verse 16, we're, we're just going to look at this core doctrinal gospel truth that's in verse 16. It is loaded. If there's ever a verse in Scripture that says, by faith alone, it's this one. Okay, Galatians 2.16 um, says this, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, that's enough right there, right? But he just goes on. Even we believe, and of course he's talking to Peter saying, even we have, as Jews, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Jew or Gentile. By the works of the law, nobody will be justified. And so, we're going to look in just a moment and we're going to talk about being justified or saved by faith alone. But before that, let's uh, talk about the Gospel defined for just a minute. Very familiar Scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15 of just a real, just a real tight, simple, to the point definition of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance. You hear that? First importance. So what we are talking about today is first importance. That's why we remember the Reformation. We don't ever need to make this some meaningless tradition. It's just we're remembering that which is most important that these men who gave their lives helped recover. And why many of us today, we have Bibles. These men, starting with Tyndale and others, wrote, wrote the Scriptures out in the language where people could understand and so we are blessed because of these men. But Paul says, For I deliver you, I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. What Scriptures? The Old Testament, right? Some of the ones we just looked at. There's many others. And that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to to the Scriptures. The Gospel defined is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Okay? The person and the work of Jesus Christ. Guys, if you're ever, if you're ever dealing with somebody, maybe you're, you're, you're wanting to, maybe it's a friend or a family member or a stranger, and, you, and you're wanting to share the Gospel with this person, and, and, and you kind of sense just through the conversation that you know, they profess to be a Christian, but maybe you're questioning that. A great question to help you in that is just to ask very politely, can you, can you define the Gospel for me? Can you explain the Gospel? And, and a lot of times that will help. Because if a person can't give any really clear definition of the Gospel, then there's probably a pretty good chance that they've never believed it. Okay, So just remember that. Um, that's very helpful at times. So the Gospel is the person and work of Christ, right? We have to have the right Christ, God the Son, who came, lived a perfect life, died upon the cross, rose again the third day for our justification. That's the Gospel. That's the, the core meaning of the Gospel. The heart of it. And secondly, it's, it's by faith alone. Faith alone. Sola fide. 
Again, I already, I already mentioned that verse 16 is really such a... One of the clear passages in Scripture that just screams out that it's by faith and not works. That it's by faith alone. Justification. We need to have a, an understanding of what that word means. Justification. It's a legal term used in a court of law to be proclaimed innocent, to be acquitted, to be cleared of all charges. Biblically, it means to be declared righteous before the bar of God's justice. And what's the bar of God's justice? Perfection. And so, so justification, it's more than even being just forgiven, but it's being declared righteous. There's only one who is righteous that ever lived, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. So being justified is when God the Father would look at us and see the perfection of Christ. That's what it means to be justified. And, it, and, and Paul doesn't really reference this verse, but you know he had to have been thinking of this passage or passages like it in Psalm 143, two, verse 2. David says, For in your sight no man living is righteous. No man living is righteous. But yet we can be made righteous through justification. Martin Luther said, speaking of justification by faith alone, he said this is the article by which the church stands or falls. Okay? And that's why he was willing, that's why he was willing to die and probably thought he was going to by saying, I cannot recant. The article by which the church stands or falls. Why is that true, guys? Because justification by faith alone, it's the article by which you and I stand or fall. When we stand before God, if we're not justified by faith alone in Christ alone, having had His righteousness imputed to our account, we will fall at the judgment into God's judgment and His wrath. But by the grace of God, we will be able to stand before that judgment because His judgment was poured out upon His Son and the righteousness imputed to our account. Luther and the other reformers taught that we were made righteous, that we are made righteous or we are justified, again, by imputation. I think Jeff may have mentioned it last week or the week before in equipping hour, I think, if I'm not... I think so, yeah, when we, when we looked at... Um, the, la- the, the lesson in um, Pilgrim's Progress, I remember Jeff mentioning it. But the doctrine of imputation, guys, this is really, I mean, this is the heart of the gospel. The word imputation, that doctrine means to, to apply to one's account, okay? To apply to one's account, to credit to one's account. To impute something means to reckon it legally or count it legally like something deposited into your account. On the cross, guys, here it is, the heart of it. On the cross, we see the doctrine of double imputation. Our sin is imputed to Christ. Okay? Our sin is credited to Christ. It's put in, if you could picture it, put, it, put into Christ's account. Our sin. And His righteousness is imputed to us, those who believe. That, that is what, what, what they call the great exchange. The grace of God. That's what happens to believers. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 means. It says, He, God the Father, He made Him Christ who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's imputation. That's what that's saying. That when we trust Christ, God imputes His perfect life to our account. And He takes our filth and all of our sin and and lays it upon Christ. And He pays for it in full. If that's not grace, guys, what is? If that's not grace, what is? Jesus takes our debit, our debt, and we get His credit is another way to look at it. So we're not just like at zero, 
We're up here. We're, we're not in debt like we were. We're not at zero. We're up here. We have the credit of Jesus Christ, a perfect life before the Father. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ. Rome, on the other hand, the Roman Catholic Church teaches justification through infused righteousness. Some of you guys I know have heard of these. Some of you may have not. Infused righteousness, meaning through keeping the commands of Christ, regular confession and penance, receiving the sacraments, which there are seven of them, by doing these things, in other words, guys, you hear it works righteousness, all these different things you do, God's grace or righteousness is infused in believers more and more over time and their own righteousness in the flesh becomes absorbed into God's righteousness. Salvation by works. That sounds very tiring and very impossible. Does it not? When we were just reminded of just one text, James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in how many points? One point has become guilty of all. So whether it's the moral law, the ceremonial law, because Paul in Galatians is dealing specifically with circumcision. James is dealing with the moral law in James chapter 2, if you read that section. The point is, we are not justified by works of the law. Whether it's ceremonial, or whether it's the Ten Commandments, or any other works we can come up with, we are justified by faith alone. And that's what the Reformers were fighting for. That's what Luther was standing for. That's what Paul is fighting for here in Galatians. We'll be able to see even more clearly. Let me read one paragraph out of our confession on justification. Uh, this would be in chapter in justification, chapter 11, first paragraph. says this, Those God effectually calls, He also freely justifies. He does this. You can hear, hey, listen to the context of, of these writers. When these men put these confessions together, they were obviously dealing directly with the Roman Catholic Church. You can always hear it. He says he does this not by infusing righteousness into them, but by pardoning their sins and accounting and accepting them as righteous. He does this for Christ's sake alone and not for anything produced in them or done by them. He does not impute faith itself, the act of believing, or any other gospel obedience to them as their righteousness. Instead, he imputes Christ's act of obedience to the whole law that was during His life and His passive obedience in His death as their whole and only righteousness by faith. This faith is not self-generated. It is the gift of God. So you can see that they were in agreement with the Apostle Paul that we are justified by, by faith alone. By grace alone, through faith alone. So again, the reformers, they taught, as Paul is teaching here in Galatians, that we are justified through faith alone, and even the faith, as the confession just said, is the gift of God. As we can see in many places, Ephesians 2, which actually we're going to read here in a moment, and other places as well. Rome, the Roman Catholic Church says, faith is necessary. They'll never deny faith. Okay? Not only them, but some, you know, some of these other uh, groups. They're not going to deny faith, but they're, not, they're just not going to say, or they're going to say, but it's not sufficient. It's not faith alone. Okay? It's not faith alone. Matter of fact, Shiloh, one day Hezekiah even asked me. I was preaching to him. I said, we're justified by faith. He said, faith alone? So he even has heard that argument. I said, absolutely. Faith alone. Rome's catechism says this, guys. Moved by the Holy Spirit, we can merit for ourselves and for others all the graces needed to attain eternal life. Ugh. Man, that's hard to, hard to get, gather that from Scripture. 
And so, it's faith alone, guys. Faith alone. Which brings us to our last point today, back in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, by way of a question, okay? By way of a question, are you going to side with Paul or are you going to side with Rome? Okay? Paul or Rome? We'll see the connection here. As we look at verse 8 and 9 in chapter 1, guys, in Galatians, I just want to ask, can Paul be any more clear than he is in in verse 8 and 9? He says this, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. So we've already looked at the gospel, what it is, what Paul preached. And if he's... If it's not, if, as if that's not strong enough, as we have said before, so I say again now, if any man, so first he says, if we are an angel, now he says, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, which we know what they have received, you can see it clearly in verse 16 in chapter 2, justified by faith alone, not by works, he is to be accursed. Okay, we have seen in a clear way today, guys, that there is one gospel. The saints of old... Now, now granted, it's revealed. More light of the gospel is revealed in the New Testament, but it's always been... The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's always been by grace through faith. So there's always been one gospel. We've seen it in a clear way. That it's by... Grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You can see grace alone and faith alone in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, including faith. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So there's grace alone and faith alone. We don't want to forget verse 10. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we don't ever want to forget verse 10 that we're not saved by good works but for good works. John 14.6 What does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no other, for there is no other name given unto men by which we must be saved. Christ alone, right? Grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. The fourth one would be sola scriptura, according to Scripture alone. The fifth one, solo deo gloria, for the glory of God alone. That's on the, that's on the front of your, um, your handouts. And at the very top of it, guys, just, you know, just wanted to reemphasize that really the, the spearhead for all of this is the fact that Christ is the head of the church. That's why all those five solos are true, because Christ is the head of the church and not the Pope. And that's what Jan Hus argued for, what he gave his life for about a century before Luther, that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. So, what do we see? What do we see in these two verses, guys? That a false gospel damns. It damns those who preach it and it damns those who believe it. Because it's in the gospel the, 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 that we find the power of God that's unto salvation. Only the, the one and only gospel is where we find forgiveness of sins. Not in a false gospel. And think about this, guys. When we think about verse... 8 and 9, and what Paul says about these, these Judaizers, that they are to be accursed, how many things did they add to the Gospel? One. They added one thing to the Gospel. Yes, believe in Christ. And you'll see that if you read that letter. Believe in Christ. Trust in Christ. Yes, He came. He died. Buried, rose again. But you've got to be circumcised. If you want to be a real Christian, you've got to be circumcised. And Paul says, that damns. If righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no, no reason. That's what he says in chapter 2. So think about that, guys. Think about Paul's severe, strong language 
over adding one element to the gospel. And we read about, look at all that the Roman Catholic Church adds to it. Way more than one. You can't even keep up with all the stuff you'd have to do. And so what does Paul say? By adding one thing to the gospel. In other words, if you don't hold to the gospel that I preach that was given to me by Christ, that you are justified by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone, you are to be anathema. What's the fourth point? Paul or Rome? Listen to what the Roman Catholic Church says in the, the Council of Trent, which was basically a response to the Reformation that went on for years. But in the Council of Trent, Session 6, Canon 9, now listen if there's any Antichrist language in this. What does Paul say? I'm going to read it again. I'll just read verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, faith alone, right? He is to be anathema. Listen to what the Roman Catholic Church says. And they have never recanted, okay? Still holds true today. If anyone says that the sinner, and this is in modern English, a little easier for you guys to understand. If anyone says that the sinner is justified by faith alone, meaning that nothing else is required to cooperate in order to obtain the grace of justification, and that it is not in any way necessary that he be prepared and disposed by the action of his own will, let him be anathema. So Paul says they're anathema. Rome says we're anathema for agreeing with Paul. So is it Paul or Rome? Obviously we agree with Paul who's inspired by the Holy Spirit and with the one Gospel that we've looked at from beginning to end. That salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. According to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. God alone gets the credit, right? And then, the, the Catholic Church is not the only one that teaches these kind of things. Um, and, and there would be many groups that would fall under this. It's either, it's either works righteousness, right? The, the, the two Gospels that are out there, if you want to say, either the one where God says it is accomplished, paid for in full by Christ, or the one conceived in the, in, the, in the mind of man that says, no, we've got to earn it somehow. Those are the only two options when you get right down to it. Listen to what a, a former Mormon prophet and church president of the Mormon church says. Same language. One of the most fallacious doctrines originated by Satan and propounded by man is that man is saved alone by the grace of God. That belief in Jesus Christ alone is all that is needed for salvation. It's the same Antichrist spirit. Guys, the enemy hates this message, hates this Gospel. But it's the only one that saves. There's only one Gospel, and we've looked at it today. Have you believed in the Gospel? Jesus says, repent and believe the Gospel. The one Gospel. In closing, beloved, this gospel is the only hope you have. It's the only hope we have. It's the only hope, the truth of the gospel, the person of the gospel. It's not just believing facts, but it's putting your trust in the one whom it points to, in Christ, who can save you, who can redeem you by his blood, by his precious blood. He can purchase your salvation. But you must trust Him. You must come to Him. You must humble yourself. You must bow the knee to Christ who is King. He paid it all. On the cross, He said, it is finished. That's what I almost titled the message, but I realized Shane already preached one by that title, so sermon audio wouldn't have taken it. But it is finished. One Gospel, it's finished. There's no other hope. There's no other way to be justified. There's no other way to be right with God. 150,000 people die every day. You are hanging in the balance of eternity if you do not know Christ. 
He is the one who rose from the grave, defeating death, has the keys of death in Hades, and bids you to come to Him. Commands you to come to Him. The only escape from sin, from death, from hell, is through Christ and Him alone. No amount of good works. No amount of intellect. Nothing. Anything else will damn you if you're not trusting in Christ and Him alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, for being reminded, um, Lord, of our um, brothers, Lord, and sisters in the faith, God, who gave up their life. So many down through the ages who have stood boldly for these truths that we talk about today, that we've looked at today. The same ones that our brother Paul was preaching in his day and the other writers that we saw in the Scriptures, Lord, the same Gospel, that there's only one that we can find refuge in from the coming storm, the coming wrath of God, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ who the ark pointed to. Lord, we thank You for Your grace. We thank You for rescuing us, Lord, from the domain of darkness, transferring us to the kingdom of Your beloved Son. Lord, we thank You for writing our names in the Lamb's book of life. We thank You for purchasing us, Lord, with Your blood that's imperishable. Father, we love You because You first loved us. I pray that You're that your church, Lord, is encouraged by the being reminded of your grace and of your provision of salvation. Lord, I pray that it will help us, Lord, beginning with me and all of us, to remind us, Lord, that those that are outside of Christ are perishing, that they need to hear. Lord, help us to have a sense of urgency, God, to live for Christ. It's His name we pray. Amen.